The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. for coming along and joining us for episode 52 of the Boys of Tech for Monday the 8th of February 2010. My name is Edwin Herman. My co-host is Brett King. Welcome, Brett. Howdy. Who doesn't have a sleep pattern. How much sleep have you had in the last, I don't know, 24 hours? Um, uh, about an hour and 40-odd minutes. How do you do that? I, I, <laughs> I'd be a write-off. Years of practice. Must be <laughs> practicing from my solo sail around the world. Here we go. Now I just need the the time, the the money, and probably a boat. A boat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Once I've got those things me. sorted, woo! I've got the sleep thing down, bat. Yeah, I, that you have. <laughs> I can't do what you can do in terms of uh, that that little amount of sleep. Mm. All right, so don't don't fall asleep on us, okay, Brett? Because you know I won't be doing the show on my own. I don't. Well, I don't want to be doing the show on my own. <laughs> you just cut over to me, and there'll be a, a, a muffled snoring. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. We'll we'll know what have, at least we know what would have happened, you know. Yeah, indeed. All righty. So I wanted to kick off uh, this week's show with Toyota having problems with its cars. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was an interesting thing. You know, when did we become a car show? But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's technology. It's technology. <laughs> it is. It is about the the ever increasing technological and electronic complexity in our cars. I know it's. It actually scares me to be honest. You know, you you open up the bonnet of a car these days, and you, I, I, I can't work out what's what. Indeed, you can't stuff. be a mechanic to open up a car these days. You need no. to be an electrical engineer. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and you know what's scary is is what we're seeing now. Uh, you know, with the the problems with acceleration in particular. Uh, you know, getting open throttle acceleration, or actually acceleration of its own accord. Even this is what's even mm. scarier. Like in the old day, you know, in the old days when you had everything was mechanical, there was no drive by wire. It was you know, as you pushed the accelerator, a physical you know. Thing. Yeah, physical rod, rod. moved between moved the, yeah, yeah, the absolutely the pedal and through the firewall into the the um the carburetor and but a boom absolutely extra speed. And nowadays you, you push the pedal and it talks to a computer and the computer goes yes let's put on some speed slowly and easily so that you 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 feel in control. Well, the thing is, you know, back in those days, in the old days, you you occasionally would get you know throttles that were stuck open, mm. but it. But what you would never get is you would never get acceleration of its own accord without your foot being anywhere near the accelerator. Yeah, yeah. It, it is quite – it is a new technological terror for <laughs> the um, automotive industry. These these devices are supposed to make everything safer and it's meant to make you feel more secure. But once again, you've got to go back to the fact that that electronic component was built by a man, designed by a man, and the software and everything that um, runs it, the programs that run and monitor everything, were all written by somebody. And 
<laughs> having a look at the number of times that the different companies that run stuff for your computer push out patches, you've got to wonder how thoroughly they really go through and check the um the the code that runs on the uh, in your car. Well, you know, I, the thing is, you're you know, you're right. You've, there's there's bugs in every piece of software. Why wouldn't there be bugs in, in software for cars? And like you yeah. say, you'd better hope that they've at least done a, a, a thorough check, as thorough as they can. They may they may not catch everything, but you sure hope they've they've done what you know as much as they can. Indeed, indeed. You, you hope they put in at least as much effort as the the NASA guys did with the the old um, shuttle and lander computers. Well, actually, they put a lot of effort into those, and they did still have bugs. Yeah. Like the, you couldn't have them turned on over the, the over a new year because the computer would uh, throw a fit if it tried to change years. <laughs> yeah, well, this is what you, you these days, you know, in, in the big Boeings and Airbuses these days, the, it, not so much of an issue. You can actually fly on the 31st of December. Mm, you can. Although now that you've told <laughs> me that about <laughs> about the shuttles, I'm thinking... I don't know if I want to try it. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different kinds of computers. You've got to remember that most of the, the, the um, well, all of the early landers and things were running on computers that are less powerful than the, the, the computer that's in your cell phone. Yeah, that's scary, uh, Even a generic it? cell phone. <laughs> that's incredible. So coming back to this, the, the, the problems that Toyota are having, well, you know, they've been asked to investigate what's, what's going on and they've, they haven't, stopped production of the cars are still producing vehicles mm. but they well, are investigating yeah they are investigating it's um a complaint from a couple of years back which is the one that you're talking about of the uh just random acceleration where for some unknown reason the the little computer in there decided that while you're backing you should back faster <laughs> yeah <laughs> their mass recall which was recent is mechanical failure yeah, just now that, yeah, bad that, des- you know, yeah. putting in the wrong floor mats and a, a couple of places just a, a bad design for a mechanical design for a, a foot pedal, but it does lead on to you know, all the different sorts of things with the way that cars are going, becoming more and more complex. That you can't just take it down to your local garage and have the mechanic pop the hood and sort out what's wrong with it. It's coming to those sorts of situations where in the future you're going to be filling out an RMA <laughs> and hoping to get your car back from the manufacturer at some point with a fix. Yeah, either that or you might be able to download a, a patch from the website. Oh, God, that would <laughs> be even worse. I would never want to be able to do that. Can you imagine that? You're driving on the road. Your car is network connected. A patch is deployed. Your car goes, oh, there's a new patch. I'll just patch. While you're driving on, on you know, oh, no. driving down the autobahn, <laughs> 120 miles an hour or whatever, <laughs> and it patches. And it turns out like your, your, your regular 3.0 sorts of patches. <laughs> it patches, it blue screens, it goes faster. Oh, scary. And the brakes stop working. <laughs> I would not want that sort of situation. <laughs> no, but it, the thing is, you know, years ago, people were, would say, I do not want a computer flying my plane. But did you know that every plane these days that you fly is pretty much a computer that's flying it? Oh, yeah, definitely. You, know, you, you punch in the, the, the coordinates. Well, nowadays, with the amount of endurance and the, the distance that uh, aircraft are car- uh, flying, you wouldn't want a man controlling it the entire way. He'd be so tired by the end of it. You'd need a little team <laughs> yeah, of pilots yeah, rotating yeah. in that cockpit. Yeah, doing shifts. <laughs> doing shifts to keep yeah. that sort of thing up. 
<laughs> you want the, the computer there doing all of the mundane stuff, but you want a pretty on-the-ball pilot there to take control in those situations where you need, you know, split-second decisions and a, a, a human at the wheel. Steve Wozniak has a, a Prius, a Toyota Prius, a 2010 model, in fact. He must have bought it not long ago. Mm. Uh, he was doing an interview not long ago, and he sort of goes off on a tangent, as he always does, uh, uh, which is why he, he's such an interesting person to interview. Uh, he was talking about how his Toyota Prius is actually experiencing these problems, and he's got it down to, the, to, to where he can basically reproduce the problem at will. So he can, he can produce this acceleration problem at mm-hmm. will, Fortunately, he says that he can brake, that the brakes override the, the accelerator so yep. he can get out of this, this uh, dangerous acceleration. But he, he says, uh, you know, that it's, it's software. Well, he believes it's software related. Yeah. And there's a man who should know that sort of thing. Well, you'd think so. He's the man who's <laughs> tweaked his Segway. You know, the Segways have, I think, a limit of 20K an hour yep. uh, for safety. And he's tweaked it and he can basically, he reflashes the chips to have whatever speed he, maximum speed he wants it to go. <laughs> that he's, sounds he's, like Steve. And what's more, yeah, exactly. And what's, you know, I guess anyone can do that if they're told how. But this, the interesting thing, and Steve being, you know, was being the was, he actually did it by reverse engineering the system, you know, the, the electronics and as to how it... Oh, yeah, and what, you didn't get a DMCA, <laughs> DMCA takedown? <laughs> well, yeah. this is a, a couple of <laughs> years sorry, ago. sorry, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah. So it's not looking too good for Toyota at the moment. Uh, oh, it's, it's definitely a wake-up call for any of the, the, um, the car, or all of the car manufacturers putting um, all of this electronic systems inside cars. That They've got to make sure that they're really working and they test it really well. Well, I just wonder how many people out there actually know how much drive-by wire there is out there. Probably not a lot of people. They'll, they'll look under the hood and they'll see a dirty great big engine, generally, uh, and a lot of plastic things all around it. <laughs> and that's about the, the end of it. Yeah, I don't think people realise that when they when they drive a modern car these days that it's it's not responding directly to what they're doing. It's a computer that's interpreting yeah. the commands and applying whatever engine controls the computer thinks sort of work mess, well yeah, thinks in you that want to do. situation with yeah. what you're asking it to do. Yeah. And most of the time that works exactly how it's supposed to work. It's meant to make things smoother, less wear on the engine, all that sort of stuff, and, and easier to drive and easier to handle. And it does when it works. It does when it yeah. works. But uh, a software glitch in there and you have just the same issue as you have with a software glitch on your PC. Your PC might, you know, flash that that awesome colored screen that people love so much. Uh, or um, your peripherals might suddenly stop working. And, and nobody wants that in a car. Well, you remember the jokes that used to go around years ago if Microsoft made cars? Oh, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, th- those jokes are no in years to come, in a decade or two, or maybe more, those jokes may not actually be that much oh, of a joke anymore. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so, <laughs> yeah, I drive a 1994 car and I don't think, actually it may have a computer, but it, it's no certainly not to has. the level of complexity that, that cars these days have. No, yeah, definitely not to the complexity. And the more automated functions you have, so if you've got an automatic, yeah, you've got no physical connection between you and the, the bits that move at all. Well, that's right. Actually, I refuse to, I refuse to drive <laughs> got an automatic. a little lever and it tells the computer and the computer talks to the, yeah. the, the gearbox. And your, your, your pedals, they don't 
physically go to anything anymore. They just go to little the, the sensors, which then send it to the computer. Your steering wheel, it's, some of them, you know, they've got all of those power assist. Uh, power yeah, actually, at least there. those. At least those. You can actually still steer, although it's very hard. With uh, well, yeah, if the know, power assist disappears on yeah. most most modern cars, you can be <laughs> turning the wheel of something that weighs almost you know one and a half, two tons. Yeah, although like I say, though most I they could have made those steer by wire, but it seems that they're actually not doing that. They they've still got the uh, you know uh, power steering as you say, but they fortunately yeah, still have have proper to just have it go straight through. But uh, yeah, one yeah, day we probably will get steer by wire completely. Mm. So on to Amazon. Amazon have bought a company who basically specialize in touch screens. And so this opens a whole... Uh, a lot of speculation, speculation yeah, on what they're doing. a new generation Kindle, indeed. Because the current Kindle is not a touch screen Kindle, is it? No, and it's one of the biggest complaints about the device. It lets um, it down. Yeah, is that with the, the, the proliferation of touch input and touch screen devices out there now that the, the, the Kindle book reader not having touch screen and still being relying on the, the little, you know, the navigation buttons or the little keyboard is a big letdown for it. Yeah, a, a lot of people are speculating that this is part of Amazon's working on something to compete against the iPad, you know, the, the next generation Kindle, which brings in some of the features of the modern touch device. Yeah, a lot of devices uh, these days, a lot of mobile devices these days are touchscreen. And the Kindle is, as you said, is, is lacking that feature. It kind of lets mm. it down. It's not really competing in that space much anymore. It's, yeah. it's a good ebook reader, but it just it you is. Know, it, it is. It just and needs- it, it'll be, I'll be interested because uh, it definitely lacks the, the touch interface is, is something that uh, they need in the Kindle for the Kindle to compete. Oh, definitely. I knew it was bound to happen that they'd put touch into into the Kindle, so the next generation Kindle. They just couldn't not do it. What I'll be interested to see is whether or not they stick with their electronic ink technology or switch to something more, you know, a, a color LCD screen like the like the iPad. Yeah, because they've uh, got the e-ink at the moment, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, they've got they've got their e-ink, and but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that because e-ink is brilliant in the fact that you don't need backlighting for it. It's incredibly easy to read, easy on the eyes, whereas a shiny, glossy, colored, backlit LCD screen like the iPad has is going to be horrible to read outside because of the glare, and it's just like staring at your LCD screen on your computer. Yeah, it's hard. If you try to read, yeah, if you try to read a lot of text on that, it's gonna you're gonna get eye strain after a while. Absolutely, and that's what the that, the electronic ink technology really that, that's the niche it sits in. However, they've got to work on it a little bit because you can do all of the the nice bits of flicking pages and all that sort of stuff, which Apple demoed with their iPad and the the iBook Store and the, their reader program. You know, you flick the page and it looks like the page is flicking over and all of that nice thing, which gives people a sort of, you know, kinesthetic interaction with their device. Whereas the the e-ink technology, whenever you flick a page or get it to change the contents of the screen, the entire screen goes black. Yeah, it's got to go black for a a short while and then before it can refresh. So it can't do any of the other stuff, but it is a much better form for reading. So it's yeah, it will be interesting, as you say, interesting to, to see, see which one they go they're going to do with the next generation Kindle. It'll have touch, but will it still have e-ink, or will they have gone for 
an LCD and how will they, seeing as it is completely a, a book reader? It that, is that's completely all it is, isn't it? E-reader. Yeah. It's not a tablet, um, is it? No, it's not a tablet. It's not trying to be a, a be-all, end-all sort of middle ground device like the iPad. It is simply a book reader. No, the iPad's not a be-all in everything. That's, that's what Steve well, said was, middle, was, was the netbooks. Middle ground, Steve yes. said it was the netbooks. That's why netbooks <laughs> suck. <laughs> Steve said so. <laughs> Actually, speaking of Apple, they uh, I see there's a story, I think on Giz- Gizmodo we're reporting that several readers have been given a 15% cash refund uh, for having to return a broken 27-inch iMac. You know they've been having problems with those ones? They've been having problems with the, the screens in the 27-inch my iMac. So it and seems they've like they've acknowledged it. So that yeah. was that was interesting. Yeah, but, they've acknowledged well, not, the, the they've issue. They've not come out and said, you know, we acknowledge there's an issue with it. They but they have made reference to it in a previous article for the Wall Street Journal. I, I think the fifteen percent cash thing is is on top of the they they fix it, don't they? They still fix the the problem. Is that right? That's what it sounds like. It's a fifteen percent back cash refund. For the and, customer's trouble. And they fixed it, yeah. yeah. It's, so like, it's kind of say, we, like to say sorry. We've through a lot, <laughs> so here's some money back. Yeah, sorry, we've we've run you around a little bit and uh, our quality control wasn't up to scratch, so this is a little mm. helping hand to say we, we're sorry. Yeah, but there's, there's, there's no idea yet whether or not it's a policy for anybody who's returning a, a faulty um, iMac or if it's only for people who've had, you know, multiple complaints, that multiple issues that they've had to keep returning to. Yeah, because they haven't publicised this as a policy. They haven't said, you know, if you've got a problem with it, bring it in, we'll fix it and give you 50%. They, have, they haven't said that. It's, no. This is just anecdotal stuff that, you know, people have found out that they're getting a 50% cash back. Yeah, uh, so as, it as is say, quite it could, it could just be people who've had a lot of issues yeah. with their, the Mac they've bought. And so Apple is giving them a, a, a cash refund for their trouble and fixing the device and giving it back as well. This is what's not not very clear. According to one discussion with one Apple customer support representative is that the 15% bonus refund is actually for tax and shipping. So it's basically a flat base rate to cover the return no matter which area you're in. So if you're living in an 8% sales tax area, you might only be pocketing 7% and even less after the shipping if, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't have an Apple store nearby. But mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to, to know... You know, what, well, it's hard to know unless they came out and said, this is why we're doing it. Well, which is why it's kind of weird that they're doing this at all. Yeah. <laughs> but at least they're acknowledging the problem because... Yeah, at least they ha- are acknowledging that they're having some issues with some of their iMac range. Is that the same problem as the one we reported some time ago with the NVIDIA graphics cards? Uh, no, I think this is actual something wrong directly with the, the LCD that they're using. Oh, I see. With the with the screen, not with the the graphics card, because I had yeah. problems with the graphics cards as well. Yeah, or was yeah. that the was that the MacBooks? No, it was the iMacs, wasn't it? I'm yeah, well, sure it was. It was the, the iMacs. IMAX. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, so the MacBooks do use Nvidia chipset as well. Right, and Brett, you know what? Those are our international stories, and I'll tell you what. So weak. Yeah, but you know why? Have you noticed that every time Apple make an announcement, there's nothing for the next week because no one wants to come out and do anything because all the media's up in Cupertino. Yeah, true. <laughs> Everybody's up trying to play with the, the iPad. Well, the thing on, is... It, on it, iPad, funny news, have you checked out the, the YouTube clip of Stephen Colbert, the comedian, at the, the, the recent um, Music Awards? 
No. And he, oh, I have to go after this. <laughs> as part of his entry sketch, he's like, "Oh, where are the where are the nominees? Where did I put the nominee envelope?" And then he and then he pulls out his iPad and goes, "Aha! That's right, it's <laughs> my iPad." <laughs> oh, very good. Yes, the Apple are getting in with product placement already. Do you think that was a product placement or just a bit of fun? Well, it was an actual iPad, so. You think it might have been a product placement? Where would he have gotten it from? <laughs> Unless he's in close with somebody at Apple. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where would he actually got his hands-on product? Mm. They're not, not available yet, are they? No, they're not available yet. Okay, so tell you what, let's take a short break then and cover the New Zealand stories. How does that sound? Sounds great. All right, let's do it. Alrighty, welcome back. Telecom's having a few issues, ongoing issues, I should say. Not only did it, its XT network fail, was it last week or the week before? Now its CDMA network, that's the old one, has suffered an outage and their ISDN network. I know, it has not been a good couple of weeks for Telecom. I was wondering why the fireworks were going at Vodafone HQ. Yeah, <laughs> oh. they're having a, a bumper time. You know what? As much as I hate telecom, as, well, as much as I hate telecom, I'm kind of starting to feel a little sorry for them right now. Oh, yeah, definitely. I hate to see a an established company have any sort of thing which detracts. Well, you know, that is not directly their own stupid fault, detracting from from their service to their their customers. It's yeah. Yeah, the, the CDMA failure was 32 CDMA cell sites lost, mostly in Auckland City. Mostly around the, the Auckland but, City area and northern northern area, yeah, but, but also, around, around, yeah, also around Lower Art and, and Central and uh, Christchurch Yeah, um, had a site that was affected, all caused by a, a hardware failure. And fortunately, Telecom's backup system, they did have backup system here. Yeah, they did definitely, this time. Kicked in and it's... The, the backup system has generally got an overlapping coverage, so it was only customers in uh, limited areas which were significantly impacted by this particular outage. And fortunately, it, it lasted about half an hour only. Yeah, that was just a small outage, fortunately, but it's still an outage, and when you're trying to make a call, it doesn't matter how long the outage is. The fact is, if you can't make a call when you want to make it, it's no good to you. Yep, but a 30-minute outage would have been nothing. It would, it would have been a small blip on the news radar had it not followed so closely after such a huge outage of the net, of the XT network. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and now telecom is in the spotlight and, and every little mistake for the next couple of weeks is going to be highlighted. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that CDMA <laughs> outage is sandwiched between the XT one that you just mentioned and the ISDN one that came later. Yeah, it came off, you know, just for a couple not, of hours. Yeah, not long afterwards. But once it again, a couple of hours. It it was a much much more controlled group. It only affected forty three yeah, customers. I know it's on the a, North Shore. Yeah. However, they did lose it for, as you said, like an, an hour or so. Well, now you know what. Now the acronym really does make sense. ISDN. It still does nothing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you're right. That people are now sort of watching telecom because, as you said, you know, they had the two major XT outages, and of course, the CDMA one and the ISD one that we've just talked about were relatively minor, but they've, as you said, been highlighted because of the major XT outage that happened not long before it. Yep. 
So, yeah, a bit of a bad run for Telecom, I must bit say. Of a bad run for Telecom, indeed. But I didn't even know that people still use ISDN. Well, obviously, at least 43 customers on the North Shore do. <laughs> yeah. Which, and, which ones? And, and obviously, because, well, the, the fault they, they reckon was caused, with, uh, caused by a recent hardware upgrade to increase capacity. So, obviously, they are having a, a, you know, a, a, an upsurge in ISDN growth in the North Shore area. True. Well, yeah, as you say, the, the, yeah, I guess so. Well, there, there you go. Mm. New things every day. So ISDN, it, it's it's still done necessary. How's that? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. And that's our show, Brad. That's episode 52 wrapped up. Ooh, are, are we at the fastest one ever? Well, no, I think some of the fastest ones we've done ever are the ones that uh, I, I did alone without you. Uh, but possibly this could be if we... This if, could if, be if the I fastest you, tag team. Yeah. <laughs> if, well, if I answer you quickly enough, this could be the, yeah, the fastest one that we've both done together. <laughs> so let's wrap it wrap it up. Thank you very much, Brett, for co-hosting the show with me. Much appreciated. Always a pleasure, Ed. And thank you, everyone else, for listening to us. Join us again next week for episode 53. Until then, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.